Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up? It's your boy, JP, with Views from the Porch. We are in the podcast studio. Coming at you, I got my boy, D. Marvelous, David Marvin. That's right. David J. Marvin. D.M. J.P. and D.M. Direct message. And the lovely Elena Haas is in the studio as well. And what are we talking about today? We're talking about sex, baby. You can do better than that. Yeah, try again. Let's talk about sex, baby. There you go. And ladies. all the good things. We got to sing. And the bad things. All right. Hey, what is it? Everyone's favorite subject or not favorite subject, pretty big categories. We're talking about sex, man. A, um, a very common. Um, but we're talking to young adults. We're talking to young adults. Predominantly single. Who should not be having sex. Why not? Until they put a ring on it. Why not? Because sex is for married people. Well, you just said it was for engaged people. You're right. <laughs> if, you, if you put a ring on it, that does not mean that you get to have sex. If you marry someone, then you get to have sex. And see, this is why you're listening to this podcast, because we bring... We take complex ideas and bring clarity. That's right. That's <laughs> what just we happened. do here, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like our work here is done. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about high level. What is it for? There's a lot of misconceptions around sex. A lot of, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll or the devil's play. Things people think God's anti-sex. Um, just what is sex for? Is it really just for marriage? That feels so like my grandma that worked then, but today... You know, yes. sexual compatibility, yes, et cetera. a question. Do y'all really think uh, anyone thinks God's anti-sex? Is that a, a that, that feels like an old idea, but do you think that that people today think God's anti-sex? Good. I'm sure. Uh, I don't think I ever thought that, even back in the day. Yeah. In my, in my I, wild days. I, I, I did, and I still do, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. Let's pray for Kelly. <laughs> uh, so here's, God is way pro-sex, like way pro-sex. It's so much, I mean, this is, that's the craziest idea ever, that he would be anti-sex. Sex is his invention. Like he came up with it. It's his brainchild. Like he's the one that invented sex. He made the parts, and he made the boy parts and the girl parts, and he made the parts... Uh, fit the way they, they do, do what they do, work the way they do. And, and if you think about it, and not in a perverted way, uh, but if you think about it, it's, it's the most brilliant, beautiful design that if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were together, like, hey, how do we want to bring life into this world? Okay, here's what we'll do between a man and a woman. Uh, we're going to make it where they can actually grow life inside the woman. A man puts his seed inside of her, and then life is formed and grows, and then comes in, is birthed forth into the world. It's a beautiful design. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And it's always a good starting place in talking about this just to understand what sex is for. Because I, I you know, God invented it, I think, to do two things. Uh, I think there's there's two reasons, you know, why why would we do, we'd be doing this. I mean I would think the survival of the human race and uh pleasure. I was actually looking up there's only like there's like four mammals, I believe, out there um 
that uh, there's something unique about pleasure within in sex for particularly for humans. Yeah. So God clearly wanted that to be a part of the equation in a way that it's not for yeah. you know the vast majority of mammals out yeah. there. Here's a, here's a, I'm gonna it's say, a fun fact. I'll say <laughs> yeah. No, I, I knew I remember hearing that reading that. Um, here's a crazy idea. I don't think and this don't I'm gonna be quoted out of context here, but I don't think God created sex for pleasure. Um, I think he created pleasure to serve a purpose. So he made it pleasurable. And so that, you know, there's a fine line there. Listen, uh, if somebody pushes me, backs me in the corner, um, I think uh, I don't, I don't know the motive of God and I'm sure uh, that it would be pleasurable is a part of it. But the reason why I think this narrative is really important is, is I think pleasure, I think sex serves two purposes. One, to bring life into the world and two, to bond a husband to a wife. This is why it says a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We see this in Genesis, and we see Jesus repeat this in the Gospels, that a husband will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, that there's this this two become one essence. And, um, and so that's a bonding that I think happens through the pleasure. What I mean by that is sex is the, the most um, addictive, or or the highest levels of dopamine that the brain can release naturally is during sex or more specifically orgasm. Um, And so that's why sexual addiction can be so strong. A pornography addiction can be so strong because your brain is producing the highest levels of of addictive hormones that it can release naturally without the help of of drugs. It was just crazy. So it's it's the natural drug, if you will. And um, even certain drugs, I read something recently that it eclipses certain drugs. Yeah, other than, than like heroin was one of the things that, and there may have been a couple others, but but even certain drugs, it's a higher ecstasy. So it's, I mean, as as somebody who has struggled with sexual addiction, that's me. If 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 we haven't met each other and we don't know each other, and and also has experimented with drugs such as cocaine and ecstasy and and marijuana, I would say, man, nothing. I've never or in an alcoholism. I've never felt the grip of anything like I did pornography and sexual addiction. And by the grace of God, praise God, I've been sober from that for 12 years now. But uh, as I look back on that, I understand how addictive it really is because we chase the pleasure. And uh, and so if you think about why God made it pleasurable, um, it, it bonds a husband to his wife so that it protects that, safeguards that marriage relationship so that he's not looking for younger women, he's not chasing after other women, that, that as, as they grow older, and you know, 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, then they continue in the act of sex, they remain, that, that relationship is safe. It, it's the epitome of protection between the two of them. As her body changes, she remains the epitome of attraction to him him uh, because she's the one where he experiences that release with and so there's just this safetyness in there that's really really beautiful so you, you said something there's a couple of things that i think we could t- tackle there if it's for birth and it's for bonding yeah then um and, and we should probably do an entire podcast on what i'm about to ask but the high level answer uh, then what about married couples who who take birth control well, they still have the the bonding benefit. So you right? would say, hey, as long as it includes one of those, then it's 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 a uh, you know kind of accomplishing the goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's for it's a gift to married people. Yeah, and so I'm not trying to say um, like know, the sex, Catholic Church stance on yeah, hey, sex should is really just for 
for kids. No, I don't think it's just for kids. I mean, it's clearly also for the bonding of a man and woman. And think about this. Like if God, like God in his invention of sex, he, he put the nerve endings where he did in the male and female parts. So to make it feel the way that it does. And so if, if, uh, sex felt like a spinal tap, I mean, we, we probably wouldn't, one, we wouldn't want to do it. Two, life, the procreation of humans would slow way, way down. And so God's, so you ask the question, why? Like, why would God do this? Why would he give us the gift of sex? And you look at the first great commission, which is not in Matthew 28, but actually in Genesis where he says, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to, to multiply, um, be fruitful and multiply, he says. Uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to, between two believers in the covenant of marriage, to have babies and teach them to know me so that they would have babies and teach them to know me so that they would have babies and teach them to know me so that they would have babies and teach them to know me. And that is how my renowned is going to fill the earth. So sex is a really key part in God's genius plan. And what we've done, to your question, what we've done is we've tried to strip out uh, the two things that God created sex for, so that we're left with just the pleasure. So we try to we try to protect ourselves from procreation with birth control, so that nobody's having babies, and and we don't want to really bond either because we're not in the covenant of marriage, and and you know we're we're chasing variety when we introduce pornography in. Uh, we, you know, if if I'm not, it's funny because we're like, hey, I'm not ready for a commitment like marriage, but I'm ready for a commitment like sex. Well, I don't think you understand how great a commitment sex is that you are bonding to that person, that you're becoming one with them. And so we've tried to protect ourselves from that so that we're, we've strained out the, the real reasons for sex so that we're left with just the pleasure. And that comes down to tips. And What you've done is you've dumbed sex down to a really good massage. You've done sex down to an orgasm. You've dumbed sex down to just, uh, just hey, how can I use it like a drug? And, and, and now you're just like, you know, two dogs on the side of the street and you're and you're why the tabloids in the grocery store are filled with tips and techniques say here's 15 ways to make her scream or you know 10 ways to uh satisfy your man and it's just all about tips and techniques because that's what we've done sex down to totally and god meant it for so much more it's why the like sex robot industry is exploding yeah people <laughs> are dumbing sex down to something that can be had with a machine or not even a machine but a doll a plastic doll and i just think like how much this grieves the heart of god but before you listeners before you think about yeah, that must really grieve the heart of God. So many of you, so many of us have already dumbed sex down to something we can do by ourselves in front of our phone screen. And how much does that grieve the heart of God? You know, it's just, it's, it's so far from his intentions of this beautiful creation that a man would, would suppress all his fleshly and earthly desires in pursuit of a woman, he would save himself for her. And then he would take her to be his bride. And the two of them in the protection of marriage uh, would continue to come together and have this act as they remain the, the epitome of beauty toward one another and bring life into this world and continue to bond and to love and to protect and to build walls around uh, around their relationship. This is God's original intention, and we've taken that, and we've torn that city down. We've lit it on fire. Yeah, that's good. So when I read the Bible, 
you see verses like the ones you quoted from First Corinthians chapter six, Genesis chapter two. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You said that's talking about sex, right? Yes. It's talking about marriage, but the united together, especially in the context Paul mentions in First Corinthians six, where he's saying, "Hey, this is what marriage is about. Don't unite yourself." Same verb to a prostitute. Um, because don't you know that you're joining, essentially connecting to them? It almost reads like the Bible is saying, when you have sex with that girl for the first time or the 50th time or any, you know, that guy, you're almost, uh, you're becoming one flesh. And it's not exactly saying that, but it reads that way, yeah. right? I mean, what would you, what yeah, would you no, say I th- there? I think you're right. And so to the person who says, well, we're married in God's eyes because we're having sex, I say, well, first of all, if you're married in God's eyes, why not be married in you know, reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and secondly, I would say, um, it's, uh, what did you, you, you said something there at the end that triggered a thought and I just lost. Like the two becoming one flesh. Yeah. It's, it, uh, it's, it reads like it's, Hey, when, when we have sex together, we're joined, we're bonded. Um, yeah. But, and, and so I think the temptation is to think, Hey, we're bonded. And I would just tell you, if you're not married, you're actually teaching yourself not to bond. Like pornography, for example, it's not an addiction to sex. It's an addiction to variety, and not just a variety of sex, but really a variety of two-dimensional images, pictures, parts. You're, you're bonding what happens. There's this thing that, that I read about in a book, Sex, Men, and God, called um, sex glue. And it's the reality that when we experience orgasm, our brain creates synapses. Those synapses work like muscles to bond us, our five senses, to our surroundings. And so whatever we fixate on during that act is what we bond to. And, um, and so a husband should bond to his wife, a wife should bond to her husband. But if, if you just take pornography and you're just looking at specific body parts, then you're bonding your brain to specific body parts. You're becoming really categorized in what you find attractive. And a lot of times they're exaggeration of the parts that God made. You know, and what I mean by that is they, they're bigger than what they would naturally be. I know that's a little bit awkward, but that's what that's what happens. And so you can understand why an amazing creator would create sex for marriage. Tim Keller said this, and I just thought this is such a, a great quote. He says, sex apart from marriage becomes a product we consume if we find someone attractive enough in quality and low enough in price. But if the quality goes down or the cost goes up, we can walk away because there was no covenant. If sex comes only with the radical self-giving and whole life commitment of marriage, that takes sex off the market, as it were, and makes it priceless. That takes sex off the market, as it were, and makes it priceless. And so, you know, we, we, have, a, um, we have a novelty problem, a commodity issue an issue of commodity, I guess, um, not to contradict myself, but there's there's so much cheap sex and so little valuable God-invented intimacy that so many people that are listening right now, they'll, they'll never experience God's ideal for intimacy. We're oh, you're, you're going to set us, you're going to settle for the second best for the rest of your life because you believe the lie of the world. So you guys mentioned uh, a second ago, like if you've had sex with someone outside of marriage, you've already kind of bonded with them. And what someone listening could hear that and be like, well, I already had sex with my boyfriend, so should I marry him? Yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would, I would say, of course not. You probably should break up with him. 
so that you guys can get well and learn to restrain yourself, kind of start over, um, and then maybe you, you get back together. But the reason that you guys had sex is because Jesus was not at the center of your relationship. You don't have a sex problem. You have a Jesus problem. Um, and so you need to put Jesus at the center of your relationship. Make God the most important thing about your life uh, before you would get married. I wouldn't build any marriage on sex. You don't want to build a marriage on intimacy with the, with the Father through the Son by the, by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so... No, you know, and I would, I would just debunk the myth that you're married in God's eyes, and uh, and I would just say, hey, there is something to this institution of marriage. We see it in the Bible. You can you can say all day, well, it's just a government invented policy, but the reality of it is, it meant something in God's word, and we have a modern form of that as as we think about what marriage is and going through the legal system and getting a document from the court and having an efficient uh, actually do the wedding. So sexual compatibility is not a priority. Is that what you're saying? Or, or people will ask, you know, anytime we talk about the topic, people write in, people will comment, people will say things like, man, they're saying that um, you should wait to have sex. How do you know if you're sexually compatible? You may have different sexual preferences. You want to spend the rest of your life with someone who doesn't want to have sex in the same way or doesn't have the same preferences that you do sexually? That's ridiculous. S- sexual compatibility is a myth. I would say compatibility in general is a myth. Let's back up and talk about marriage. When we just talk about how compatible are we, you're talking about two sinners, uh, a female sinner and a male sinner. They are incompatible with each other. And so really marriage is about sacrifice and learning to be compatible and to serve, not to be compatible, but to serve one another uh, selflessly, but also compatibility in sex. Now we're talking about something really stupid because if you have a man and you have a woman, <laughs> you know, the parts fit and they're going to be compatible. Now, I just want to be, uh, it's dumb to talk about the like point zero nine percent exception, but uh, and I don't really know what that number is, but I know it's really small. Uh, you know, when you talk about uh, like a a birth defect or some sort of physiological or physical rather, um, you know, that would make it Im- uh, impossible. That's going to be the extreme exception, and. And that, you know, if you got married and you found that out, now, now everybody listening is going to be afraid that that's them, uh, then that, that's your lot in life. Like, that's how God wants you to serve. And you're going to have a lot of fun and, and find a lot of joy in figuring out how you guys can bond and serve each other for the rest of your life. So, and I'm guessing that would come up in conversations prior. No, somebody may not know. The, of themselves? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't exactly... I'll get you. I'll show you some charts and graphs. Later. Good. All right. We'll okay. get the charts and graphs. Well, the the um, whiteboard. But but bottom line, for the vast majority of people, they're just saying, "Hey, are we going to enjoy? How good is the sex? And I need to make sure that it's really good if we're going to get married." And and beyond just what you said, of you are compatible if you're a male and a female, and you're not compatible because you're both sinners. Let me. It, the sex is going to change, let right? Me, let me like point sex out and, how stupid. That is that way of line of thinking. Yeah, and I don't. I don't mean. I'm not. I don't mean to talk down to someone. But uh, the proverbs calls people stupid, and and I, I, if I've ever heard anything stupid, that's it. Um, the proverbs calls ideas stupid. I should say, if if it was a compatibility technique, tips and tricks issue, if that's what was necessary to have a great marriage, who would have the best marriage in the world? The most sexually compatible people, or Jenna Jameson. Um, 
Ron Jeremy, oh, porn people, stars, people best the at professionals, sex the professional sex people. Like these are people that have spent their entire life learning to be good at sex. So they must, their marriage must be amazing, right? Like that's that that that's what they would yeah, be yeah. really, really great at. But of course, that's not the case. In fact, if you look at divorce rates among porn stars, I mean, it, you're going to look at uh, even suicide rates, depression rates. You're going to look at things that are astronomical. And that tells us something really key, that when you strip out technique from God's design, you're left with something really dangerous and depressing and saddening and and not something good. So anybody that goes into marriage says, "Hey, I want to make sure that we're I want to make sure we're sexually compatible." You're asking the wrong questions, you're focused on the wrong things, and you're you're headed toward a disastrous marriage because you've put the emphasis in the wrong area. Yeah. The other danger of introducing sex into the relationship is it just you get love drunk. You stay in relationships that you shouldn't stay in. I know you had that experience with, uh, you've expressed like manic highs, manic lows, and um, and sometimes the makeup sex becomes amazing and it just keeps you in a really dysfunctional relationship. Um, I know you, you were about you talked to say about somebody's your, name there. <laughs> your own, uh, it keeps you <laughs> I know, with. I know you You know who you are. I'm talking to you. <laughs> what are you doing right now? Uh, yeah, sex, sex keeps you in the wrong relationship longer than you should be, and it keeps you from the right relationship. That's the truth. It's, it's all downside. Tweet like that, sex man. outside of marriage is only costly, man. It is only costly. And so you say, why, man, well, God's trying to rip me off. God's not trying to rip you off. God, like, like my desire. David's desire, Lena's desire, and God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, desire is if you desire marriage, right? For you to have the most amazing marriage that you could possibly have, and and sex outside of that marriage is not a pathway to it. it it's a it's really a detour. That's that's the truth. Uh, I've seen the likes of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of relationships. I've seen people who've done it right. I've seen people who have done it wrong. I myself have done it both wrong and right. I've, I've tasted, I've drank from both wells, and, and I have so many regrets associated with where I did it wrong, and, and I've found so much life in the area of where I've done it right, and I think that's true for every young adult relationship that I've had the opportunity to look into. Okay, so here's, here's a question. We're about to have to wrap up, but... Uh, I could talk about this all day, man. I'm just getting started. Hey, all right. Let's, let's do a part two here soon. Um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, as someone who's also done it wrong and right, I think what people are more thinking in that moment when they're in a relationship before marriage having sex is like, hey, I'm doing it and nothing bad's happening to me yet. So like I'm not – I'm hearing you say it's a bad thing. I'm fine. Like everything's fine here and I'm going to take my chances. Okay. Can I tell you a story? I, I, I'm gonna, I'd like to – can I end with a story? I want to end with a story. This is actually the way that I start uh, in Welcome to Adulting the chapter on dating. Uh, I, I start the chapter on dating with, uh, which is chapter eight with this story uh, about just my wife and I. So picture this. True Confessions was an, an addict of, of pornography and, and sex also and in, in some ways. Um, and I became a Christian and God began to do a work in my life and in my heart. And um, my my girlfriend and I at the time, we really became believers together. The Holy Spirit was kind to us to grab both of our hearts around the same time. And um, and what that meant is we cut out the physical aspect of our relationship. It was really difficult, like to pull the parking brake on something that you've been doing, particularly for me, that was very, very difficult. 
And so it wasn't long after that we got married. Like I said, sex will keep you from marriage. And so when we took sex out, it was like, dude, we need to get married. And so we got married. We're at the altar. This this guy's up there in a suit, you know, saying uh, just great things about us and our love for Jesus now, a new love for Jesus, our love for one another, the I do's, you know, you may kiss your bride. We walked down the, the aisle into the foyer of the chapel, and I held my new bride in my arms. She's in her white dress. I'm in my tux. And I said this prayer as a first act of our marriage. I said, Lord, thank you for allowing me to escape the consequences of my sin. And, um, and what I had in mind when I said that was I was just thinking, you know, I don't have any illegitimate children. I've, I've managed, you know, to make it this far and, and have not had an abortion um, I haven't had, I don't have an STD. Uh, and so all of these things, uh, these are what I was thinking. I don't, there's not a psycho ex-girlfriend waiting to kill me outside that I'm aware of. And so those were the, what I was thinking as the consequences of my sin. But a year into marriage, I realized that I had no idea how to love this woman, that I had traded myself for divorce my whole life. Like I, I was, I was jumping from relationship to relationship, looking for sexual compatibility to your point earlier and and now I'm in this relationship that's all about serving and dying to self and loving each other selflessly. And I didn't know how to play that game. And so I wanted out. And I realized that I didn't uh, avoid the consequences of my sin. They just came in a really different way. And I would have much rather had to take a, a pill, you know, to, to manage an STD, to, to give child support to a child or to father a child, rather, um, to dodge the bullets of a psycho ex-girlfriend. I would have much rather chosen those consequences than the ones that I had. So you might be thinking right now, hey, nothing's happening to me. Everything's fine. But, but you're slowly rewiring yourself outside of God's design. And I would just tell you that someone who's willing to have sex with you outside of marriage is communicating something. They're saying, hey, I'm willing to have sex outside of marriage. So if we ever do get married, don't expect me just to, to stay in that marriage for sex because I've already communicated to you, I'm willing to go outside of marriage for sex. That's what I'm communicating. I'm, I'm saying that as clearly as I can. We're not married. We're having sex. So what I'm trying to tell you is I don't value the marriage covenant. I don't mar- value the marriage commitment. I'm willing to go outside of it for sex. And so that that person is training for adultery. That's all I got. Well, Anything I else? Had, that, that does just feel like an introduction to the topic. But, um, but we will. We'll do a part two for sure. And, uh, man, thank you guys so much for listening for Views from the Porch. We'll see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.